All right. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Dangerous Rhetoric. Um, we took a little break for a while. That was Brent's fault. He had an ear infection. Uh, this is episode 26, and it's a really awesome special episode because we are here with our first NFT guest, and we'll explain what that is in a bit, um, Mr. Dustin Johnson of Bitbones. What's up, Dustin? Welcome. Thank you for having me. How's it going? It's awesome. Um, I'm glad you came onto the show. I've been waiting a while to talk to someone about this subject. So I'm glad it's you. I have another friend who's lined up who he's really busy, but we're going to get him on soon. But, you know, I've been a fan of your project for, for a couple months now. So I'm glad, uh, you know, you're willing to come talk to us. Um, before we get into what NFTs are, because I'm sure we're going to have some people in our audience who have no idea what the hell that is. Um, well, I'll just start off and kind of ask about you, like, where are you from? Where were you born? And how did you get involved in this? I was born in uh, Los Angeles, California, lived there all my life, and then uh, recently moved out of state. Uh, been doing art forever, just as a, you know, medium coping mechanism, expression of creativity, yeah. whatever, you know, time killer. Um you know, during the pandemic, I was just trading stocks. And then one day I saw the big Beeple article that I think everybody got yes. pulled into the NFT market. Oh, with. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is this about? But even before that, years ago, I had heard about it. And I was like, it's an interesting concept, but I never really jumped into it because it was such an infant stage thing. Still, it was like, okay, so you can buy and sell, you know, a JPEG on the internet. All right, that's cool. But it's like, never really hit me but then when you see it like actually in real world like recognition I think that's what really hit everybody with like okay this is something different this isn't just like a little experiment this is real world like feasibility for a digital artist to come out and actually make a living or the people showcase their art you know that people sale was definitely I think like a turning point for it because yeah. i think that was when, how i also first heard about nfts was when that story broke maybe i'd heard about it before but just didn't know what the hell it was but when that yeah. story came out i had other friends who were talking about it like you know a good friend of mine who's into investing and stuff and it just sounded crazy we were like what the hell is this you know people are, are selling digital pictures and but when you when you understand crypto it's not as crazy anymore yeah but i guess I wanted to ask, you know, also how, how would you define an NFT? If someone asked you like, Hey, Dustin, you know, what, what is it that you do? What is an NFT? Can you tell me what the hell that is? Like, how would you explain it to them? I mean, first you'd have to explain, you know, crypto in a basic yeah. way to somebody and just about like the blockchain and the ledger and how it keeps track of all the transactions. And there's like uh, all the data associated with each transaction. And basically that bits put on an image. So when you, make an nft it takes the image and then it'll be forever linked for whoever made that nft so you can have that connection for all time you know they've been doing this with physical art forever too you know the um i forget the correct word for it provenance you know like they'll take a da vinci or whatever and they'll try to track it back as far as they can all uh, the different owners and yeah. stuff yeah 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 so that's like the old school way but this is like the new school way that's you can't edit it you can't change it it shows exactly who made it who owned it who sold it to who blah 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 blah. it keeps all that all that information so it's just more like a high-tech provenance art trading mechanism that's probably the best way you could explain to somebody who's never heard of it yeah 
I think, you know, get, getting people to understand too how much more digitized our world is becoming, it, it starts to make a little more sense. Like, like CryptoPunks, for example, I've heard them described as sort of like, like flexing your digital Rolex or, or your digital Lamborghini in the sense they sort of become like this kind of status symbol in the digital sphere, right? And, and to have one and to display it and to show like, I am, I'm the owner of this and that can be verified here on the ledger. Right. right. There's a thunderstorm going on. So, but it's like, it, it kind of, it becomes this sort of status symbol. Of course, yes, start barking now. Yeah, but um, anyway, this, this idea of owning a digital asset is not that crazy when people wrap their heads around crypto, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, more and more people are starting to understand crypto and more and more people are starting to, if, even if they don't understand it, are starting to invest in it. So I think if you can get that link get people to understand the link between the two that all an NFT really is. It's sort of like a singular coin in a sense. And right. that coin is tied to a, a picture or an image, but it doesn't even have to be a picture or an image. It can, it can be music, you know, it could be yeah, like text, digital whatever. text or like, basically you can mint like almost anything really when you think about it. So it's yeah. changing, it's changing the economy, but I also view it as sort of like, a response to the economy that that has already changed and even though nfts go back a while i think it's to what like 2015 2016 something like that is around when the yeah rare uh, Pepe's and and 16 17 i think yeah. was the bigger ones yeah then, i mean even then, before that there was like a bitcoin based one and yeah and rare Pepe is, is bitcoin based yeah and so before, before then it was like a before then, there was like a trading card one. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It was like spells of something. But those were like the first two. And I believe they, they were on Bitcoin initially. And then you had, uh, you know, CryptoPunks and came in, in in 2017. And what is it? The, the Mooncats. There's a couple, a couple one early projects from there. But they never really caught on. And one of the reasons I think they have caught on, you know, you mentioned the pandemic. And I think the lockdowns, I think this this concept of governments confining people to their homes and shutting everything down it made a lot of people seek alternative ways to to make a living and that includes artists and so i think more and more artists started to catch on to this idea that you know hey if i can't interact in the real world and sell my art that way maybe i should be looking at this concept more of selling it in the digital sphere and you know was that one of the things maybe one of the factors that led you to perhaps change your mind on this too or, or to look into it more yeah no definitely i think the the lockdowns and you know people getting afraid to go anywhere to even go to their job even if they weren't locked down um it's definitely given people another avenue for income yeah. especially artists like you know painters have always been recognized as artists but digital artists have always been stuck in like the commercial realm you know <laughs> graphic design advertising yeah yeah it's like you see amazing work on commercials or just an ad you know that's all digital art and you think that person got paid you know maybe a grand but it's like if that person took it into an nft and minted like an edition of it or whatever they could make a ton you know it's yeah. like there's it was just another avenue i think that finally opened it up for the digital artists to be able to share their work and sell it uh, outside of the commercial space so do you, were you always doing digital art or did you, you know, I think 
you strike me as someone who also works in traditional mediums or probably even started in traditional mediums and kind of moved into the digital sphere. Yeah, definitely started traditional uh, all my life, painting, sculpting, welding, all that, all that fun stuff. Did you go to school for it? No, I actually went to school for screenwriting. I, I also went to school for writing, for English yeah. writing. Yeah. <laughs> Never using it, but you know. I mean, I, yeah. I self-published like five books of poems and I saw that I, yeah. I did all that on my own. You know, I didn't I didn't do that the like natural way. And really, when I look back at it, I didn't even have to like get a degree to do all that stuff. But, yeah. you know, some people are shocked when they find out I didn't I didn't go to art school. And it's like, no, I mean, I just just do it. You know, I just you put the time in and you suck at it for a while. But eventually you you start to figure it out. So oh, exactly. how, how did how did the idea of bit bones come about? I've always had this character. I did this one. This is like a big wood cutout I did a while ago. Cool. And it was just like, I was trying to make a clothing uh, line. And that's where my name, The Fear Face, comes from. It's just been in like my head since high school. It was always, you know, I think I saw this video one time it was describing why apes smile and grin is because they're afraid and intimidated and they try to show their teeth to scare off like the predator or whatever and i always thought like it's funny that they do that as a sign of aggression but when we laugh we smile and like why is that it's like is it because we're afraid you know people people do laugh nervously too when they're yeah in in nervous situations so maybe there is a link there i never thought of that though when it comes to apes and now when i hear apes i can't think of normal apes i just think of bored, bored <laughs> apes. yeah the digital versions yeah but yeah no uh it was all based on that and um you know i wanted to dabble in pixels in a long time for a long time uh i had jumped into digital art uh only like a couple of years ago i was very against it because i was like what do you need to do digital art for if you can just do it on a piece of paper why do i have to buy you know a couple thousand dollars like <laughs> but you know it was the same thing with like uh digital photography too like I was doing traditional black and white photography for years and then the one day that I bought a digital camera I was like all right like this is so much better you know I can take as many pictures as I want and pick the one that I want instead of like saying man I hope I got that photo and I won't know until I develop it and spend all this time in the dark room and then I have to print it you know yeah I took traditional photography in high school for during my I think my junior year and I liked that process I thought that the whole dark room process yeah. really it was much more intimate you know you had to do the test strips and and really figure out like how much time do you expose it for and, and count all of that but it does slow the process down and I don't know I'm I'm similar to you like I never would re- I wouldn't say I totally rejected digital art I was doing digital art actually when I was like 15 16 I just downloaded photoshop and started messing with it but I, I always preferred traditional physical art. And now I mostly work in oil paintings, but I'm realizing, you know, why not do both? Like, yeah. He just got me like one of these tablet things. The Wacom. Yeah. This oh yeah. Those are dope. Yeah. So yeah. it gives me the incentive to, to, oh, I just dropped it. <laughs> it gives me the incentive to explore more in that realm yeah and you know the way i see it is like why why not do both you know why not explore both and i think you know i'm curious to see 
what the physical pieces you produce are going to be like. And I would love to see you mint some of those things in the blockchain. But um, back to Bitbones really quick. Was that intended, I guess, to be what we call a profile picture project? And we'll probably have to explain that a bit to our viewers, but what that actually is. No, I mean, I didn't initially think of it uh, for people to have as like the profile picture. Yeah. That wasn't the goal. It was just you know, I wanted like everything that I've done with NFTs is to test myself and put it, push myself as far as I can to just, you know, level up, you know, because if you're not doing that, you're just going to remain stagnant forever. So, you know, pixels, I hadn't really done much in that. So I did that. You know, I like to think that I mastered it in some way. And then setting a goal for a thousand was just kind of another challenge to me because that's a, like a massive amount when you think it's about it. Yeah. It's easy to do when you have like, a, you know, a 10K project that's all generated uh, by a computer and then you can You're do doing them all by hand. All by hand. Yeah. So it was a mission. Uh, but I learned a lot along the way. And yeah. uh, a lot of things. Pixel that we're art is, I love pixel art because it's, it's very specifically in its style. It is digital. It's something that is a result of the computer age when you think about it. So I think it has almost sort of nostalgic look to it too. When you think about the early yeah. video games and, and that sort of thing, um, which was what, you know, appealed to me about your project. But also I just, I like skeletons. <laughs> I like skeleton art. It's, it's why I wore I love it. Yeah. For this show, I was like, let me put a skull on because <laughs> Dustin's going to be here. So I should have worn mine. I don't. <laughs> but this, I mean, I guess we can even get into like something deeper here, but the aspect of, of death and facing our mortality. And I think there's something alluring about skeletons and skulls and why they're always appearing in, in our art is because, you know, there's a sort of reminder of, of our mortality. Like we all look like that underneath. And yeah. Yeah. And were, were you thinking along those lines or was it just kind of like fun for you? Cause so some of them, like you have like the, the horsemen in there of the apocalypse or something. Like I saw some really interesting character caricatures that you chose to put in there. Yeah, did the four horsemen uh, in that one. Um, I don't think there's as much like uh, underlying meaning behind me picking skeletons. I've always found them fascinating just because the intricacies of them all, you know, how many bones are in the human body. It's, yeah. You know, you don't even think about it because like all you see is, you know, the flesh on the outside. But it's like within us is the foundation that holds us all up. You know, it's like I forget what percentage of us is water. But it's like once that's all gone, you just have the pillars that hold up your body, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just the design of like the human skeleton is pretty fascinating. And, you know, it's fun to draw. Yeah, so, I, li I like them because they are, you know, kind of morbid skeletons are morbid but when you take them and you put them in a pixel form and you put hats on them and you put all of these funny like sort of <laughs> to them, it's, just a mixture, it's a mixture of like fun but also morbid at the, at the same time but back to this idea of profile pictures like you mentioned a generative project yeah and you know people who aren't into nfts probably don't know exactly what that is so you know explain that maybe a bit for for anyone who might be watching that doesn't know what is a generator project and what's the difference between that and like what you do so a generator project will take okay i'll explain what i do first and then we'll go from there so what what i do with bitbuns is i'll have a base skeleton and then i'll build layers on top of that with different items and then i'll change them out to create different bitbuns and then depending on which ones i'll make brand new rare ones with only limited one layers just used for that one 
Well, what generative projects do is they'll have a base layer and then a bunch of item layers on top that they can turn on and off. And then they'll have a program run it where they'll create 10,000 different variations or more, and they'll pick 10,000 or however many that they want uh, for their project. So it creates individual uh, pieces, but through a computer program that they create. So then they take that and then you can either mint uh, from their custom contract, what they write from their website. Yeah. And then once you mint that, it goes on to OpenSea, the marketplace for NFTs. And then you can see it once the metadata, they call it, is like all the information for that image, like the traits in the picture will get revealed. And then that's about it for that. And then there's 10,000 of those. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, typically they don't have to be 10,000, but I, like the yeah. punks and the Board Ape Yacht Club kind of established that model, which many, many others that followed I don't want to say copied, but kind of stuck to that model, but some of them, you know, do less like gutter cats. There's only like 3000 of them. And there's something to be said, I guess, for scarcity doing a smaller project as opposed to a big one. But what I find interesting about the generative art is that even the team and the artists who are doing it, they don't totally know what they're going to look like until they're minted. And that's what I find so interesting. And I guess revolutionary about this concept of generative art is that, you know, yes, all the, the traits are hand drawn and that, that's all created by someone. But once they're put into the computer program, you don't know what's going to be spit out. And that's, I think, why it's such an exciting new thing for people and why so many projects are, are doing that, because it's, it's new. It's one of the only things that computers have enabled. You know, it's like human ingenuity combined with the randomness of, of a program. Right. And it's producing a piece of art in the process. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's certainly a new frontier, but this idea too of avatars I kind of wanted to talk about, like, like now they're calling this the metaverse and the idea of an avatar, it's like, it sort of becomes your second identity or your online identity in a sense. Your primary identity for yeah. these board apes. But also like oh, yeah. The, yeah. This, this idea of it, it's like, it's a piece of art, but it's also like an online personality, but it's also like a membership card. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, like a stock in a sense, like an investment by owning a piece of that project. It's like, you're saying, I believe in, in this project and I believe in the future of it. I think that my asset will go up in value, kind of like a stock. So it's like, it's almost like owning shares in the company in a way. Yeah. Like we said before, you know, it's like, uh, it's basically like you're minting a token when you make an NFT and you could even compare that to being like, like you said, like a stock in a company, you know, it's like you're creating a token with a picture representing that token. And then people, you know, trade it for whatever they want. And it's like you said, like people base their entire identity off of these NFTs. Sometimes, you know, you see these large uh, uh, promoters with like a crypto punk and it's like, that's who they are. That's who they become. And it's like, that's all, you know. It's like, there's nothing behind that, you know? It's like, I get it, but it's almost too much sometimes. Yeah, the the, the anonymous thing is interesting. And it, it's all, it's, you know, it's part of the internet. You're always going to have anonymous people interacting on the internet. But it does become a problem when it comes to these larger projects and accountability. You know, you don't know who's behind that. Is Is it a real person or is it like, is one person like, directing this page and that page. I saw interesting conspiracy theory <laughs> online about Beanie Maxi being a 
digital art chick. I'm not saying I believe <laughs> this. Uh, who knows? I've yeah. seen that joke made before. And what it comes down to is you don't really know, you know, if these people are anonymous, you don't totally know who is behind the account. Yeah. Which goes back to, you know, I wanted to touch on this idea of, you know, a rug pull in the NFT world, like what a rug pull represents. You know, like, how would you define that? What a rug pull is? Because it's definitely not what you're doing, but we're seeing a lot of that. And a lot of people are new or entering the NFT space and they're, they're buying into these projects because they're hyped up, say, by an influencer or someone famous. And they don't always do well. You know, there'll be a big pump of the project, but because it comes so fast, sometimes, you know, it also goes really quick. And then people sell off, sell off, sell off everything goes down. And then next thing you know, you have people holding all of these assets that have now depreciated in value. Oh yeah. There is no community that was naturally built around the project. Whereas what you're doing, your growth is very organic. You're not paying people to shill in people's direct messages. You're not paying an influencer with thousands of followers to say, Hey, buy Bitbones, you know, get into my project. And you know, I, I wanted to ask also, like, are you a one man show or is there like a team behind you? Just me, man. Just you. And I think Do it that, all. <laughs> that's that's interesting because most of these projects aren't really doing that. They they have what they call a dev team and yeah, well, people involved in this. And you don't even always know who those people are because some of them are anonymous or all of them are anonymous. And it's true. Yeah. It makes it hard to trust. So we shouldn't trust a completely anonymous yeah, team, period. For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people are putting a lot of blind trust into projects and they're and they're getting burned when those projects don't develop into actual communities. Whereas, you know, you being a one-man show, I think it's like it it puts more, I don't want to say pressure, but like you you have to be real. You you have to kind of prove to people like, hey, you know, I'm a real artist, I'm a real person behind here. And that was part of what attracted me to your project was you know i saw you had done a podcast already and i was like oh this is a guy i can actually like see what it looks like <laughs> and he has a and he has a name because i had been encountering so many of these other ones where you don't know who's there and yeah so i don't know but people i think are now learning the hard way like gary oh, yeah. gary uh founder chuck just put a tweet out like yesterday and he said he said i like where we are in nft project land some maturity and thoughtfulness is starting to emerge more education amongst people more people and we are in a very 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 early stage but the last three weeks there's been a subtle shift and i am enjoying observing it so he tweeted that and then my friend ramon who's the self-actualizing american ape on twitter um he said i see it he's responding to this he said everyone is being forced to learn the difference between a potential rug and an uncomfortably longer term investment with gas at the at all time highs and rugs every other step people are forced to be mindful mindfulness is everything patience is a game yeah. so i think people i think got used to the, yeah. the quick flip there was this yeah. like frenzy for a while and that's kind of when we just started getting into it like towards the end of july mid-july yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah so and that i actually i, I flipped one of my bit bones <laughs> it's like yeah. i got it for 0.02 uh 
from from you directly from Bitbones. Yeah. And then I I just put it, you know, I wasn't really like trying to sell it, but like at the time I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't know what I wanted to keep. I didn't know anything. So I uh, I just priced them at a quarter ETH because that was like a 10x gain. And I was like, 10x is good. I should be happy with 10x. And then it ended up selling uh, when the floor on the project rose. Well, what happened was your project sold out. Like all, yeah. Yeah. all of them was mad. sold. And when that happened, uh, there was like a very quick I can even rise. Guy. And mm-hmm. I think, I think Brent, yours was one of the first higher sales that was made from this the Bitbones guy. project. Uh, I think, yeah. I, I was a little that. mad. I was like, why did you sell it, Brent? You should have held it. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but yeah, this is I the guy. It. He was cool. I really liked him because he had the grenade and the gun and yeah. the armor. I thought he looked really awesome. And then, uh, yeah, somebody snapped him up from me at a quarter ETH. And yeah, which him. is a great return, you know? And, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a great return. And that's the thing. Now it's I'm like, kind of biting my, I'm like, because like, <laughs> now I have these elephants and the elephants are not <laughs> like, they, they, they kind of turned out to be a bit a of a rug. Pole, yeah. I don't know if you heard the story with the elephants, but. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Was it the, the main guy actually legit said he's rugging people? Uh, he like actually just like left the whole yeah. project and then he tried to sell it and then I think he ended up giving it away. Well, he had said apparently like, oh, my brother died in a morning right now. Right, but, yeah, there's all this BS. But a lot of people were like, you know, can you at least like verify this in it's some way? And then he got offended that people oh, were yeah, some kind of proof and then he started like banning people from the Discord for asking questions and eventually yeah. the project ended up trading hands. They actually um, did. They did do uh, a mint, you know, an airdrop. Well, not an airdrop, a, a free mint or a gas plus whatever for these little companion dudes, which were all based on the traits that your elephant had. So if you had an elephant, you could mint one of these for plus just just for gas. And it was like the little companion guy. And they're, they're cute or whatever. But I mean, the project right now, I'm not sure what the status Speaking is. Speaking of gas. I feel like that's also something we're going to have to try to explain a bit for for one second no, for people in our Before audience it. who who might not know what that is and how Ethereum works. Like, well, so gas is basically it's like a tax that you pay to the blockchain <laughs> for <laughs> using. Like well, you have to pay for the miners to mine the to process the transaction. So it's basically like a tax, yeah. and it goes to a percentage now with the the I forget what they call it like with the new the new version they're burning some of it it's gone now it's getting removed from circulation and then the another portion goes straight to the miners to thank them for their their making their cpu process uh processing power available so that's basically what gas is but as the demand for ethereum goes up so does the gas cost because it's not some sort of like meritocratic or equal uh system it's like you know, basically you're bidding for the attention of the miners. And so you can set, you know, your max, your min, how much you want to pay for gas. But if there is a lot of demand on the blockchain at any period of time, because a new project dropped or because there's a bull run on Ethereum and people are just buying up Ethereum like crazy or whatever it is, if there's increased demand, the cost of gas goes up, which means that your transaction, which, you know, let's say you're talking about a point, you know, one or a point, uh, you know, point, say point one ETH, which is roughly like 330 bucks right now. 
if you're doing a transaction at that amount, your gas costs could be at, it could be could be double. So you're paying or not double 0 0.01 on top of that or 0 0.02 on top of that. So you're paying anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of the transaction just to have the transaction execute. Yeah. And, you know, oh. like that's, it's becoming a problem because originally gas was, you know, it'd be like, they're called the unit is GWEI or GWEI, but it's, uh, it, it was really, really low because there wasn't that many people. It was before NFTs became like yeah. more popular and well-known. The growth in the last few months has been insane. You know, like, like we said, we started around mid July and just from mid July, gas at the time was like now, 30 yeah. to 45 you know 60 was a high now it's like it doesn't even drop below 90 it's right yeah. it's like right yeah. now i'm looking at it it's like slow is 100 and rapids around 110 so yeah it's it's definitely a barrier in the market right now and like like you said you know like there was a whole euphoria maybe up until like two weeks ago it was just like non-stop like bye 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 it doesn't matter yes. like people will buy it for twice as much as you bought it for like literally you could buy anything and flip it right and like i was having a ball doing it but then like just one day is like a switch flicked you know and it's just like instant down you see like people undercutting the floors on every single project like mad and it's like you know say the mint was like 0.05 they listed 0.04 and then somebody else would come in at 0.03 but it's like since gas was so high it doesn't make sense for somebody to buy you know a generic piece from that line for 0.03 and then pay like 0.08 for gas on it you know it's like if you're buying it for that much you have to be able to resell it for you know double that or whatever so it was just nothing was getting bought yeah. because the floor kept going down and nobody wanted to pay the gas fee so it's just constant undercut 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 and you know you've seen a lot of projects that minted for like 0.05 during the euphoria like the pre-mint pre or uh, the pre-reveal they went up to like 0.3 eth or something and then once it got revealed and everybody's like okay i got a generic one and they start dumping so it goes from 0.05 to 0.3 and then down back below mint and it's like damn someone took a huge hit you know and that's everywhere right now it is it is but uh so there's a series of tweets i read an hour ago before we even did the show and i was like i gotta read this on the show because it's interesting they were by king blackboard he's uh one of the apes he's also in gutter cat gang he's pretty well known i think he has like twelve thousand followers he said you know psa and he has a free tweet thread he said nfts are now a victim of their own success and high gas is the new normal you need to adjust your strategy now or you will bleed eth and then he says, what you need to know, one, buying low cost projects is no longer a viable option due to gas. Yeah. Two, gas will slow volume everywhere. And then he says, here's how to still win. One, buy blue chip NFT projects only and consolidate fringe NFTs to blue chips. So I guess he means the projects that aren't, don't seem to be doing as well, sell them off and then try to buy something that already seems to have an established, I guess, culture around it. Like when they say blue chip, that's what I think of. I think of a project that is forming a community and is becoming a subculture that is now established rather than yeah. simply a pump and dump, which is, hey, we put this project out, bye, 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 bye. And then, you know, as soon as the buy frenzy the ends, penguins, yeah, the koala, sell, 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 And he says, two, don't, so don't expect to flip. He said, buy and hold as investment. Yeah. Three. Ooh, that's a big one. Three blue chip projects with proven track records of providing value. And then he lists like Board Ape Yacht Club, Gutter Cat Gang, 
pixel vault etc right and he also says a good you know investment right now would be like the gutter king mint pass which is you know he thinks they're going to go up um i commonly hear this phrase do your own research that's something you hear a lot in the in the nft space and basically what that means is you know look into the projects you're investing in look into the team and are they transparent yeah. are they trustworthy you know or, or are they being pumped by influencers and you know, I was talking to Brett the other day and I'm like, I wonder how many influencers really do get together kind of and talk and say, hey, we're going to pump this. Oh, yeah. And then now, there's, there's a dark side to yeah. NFTs. And it's like, you know, like when I started back in March, it was just like the community was the most amazing thing. I fell in love with it. Everybody's so helpful and friendly and it was awesome. But then you start seeing like these really crooked people putting out projects and then like, you know, they'll rug one person, then you can tell they start another project to get more ETH from that project. And then they rug that project. And it's just, they kept going and I kept following their whole progress. And it's like, man, there's some fucked up people doing this shit. And it's like, you know, I came for the art money secondary. I want to grow a community and, you know, have my art live forever on blockchain. But there's some people that are just literally strictly about money and don't give a damn about anybody who they fuck, you know, and it's like, it's so dark. And like you said, you know, I don't trust uh, influencers and promoters at all. It's because, you know, behind the door, they're getting paid a lot of money to say, oh, I love this project and I'm going to buy a lot. But it's like, no, you probably got given like a hundred of them for free, you know, right? or you were able to mint for nothing or whatever, you know, and then you get to dump on all these people that come in, you know, eager, like brand new. Like you said, there were so many new people like in this past month or so, they just don't know anything about NFTs and they learn the hard way by trusting these people and saying okay i'm gonna throw you know a couple hundred bucks at this and then it's just like oh see you later like my money's gone so i don't know i don't trust that kind of people i don't trust those kind of projects i look for more underground like i love hen hiccup just because of there's a realness to it all you know you can talk to the artists on twitter I've seen a lot of their stuff in real world. Like I have a bunch of art from them and it's like, there's more authenticity to that. Whereas like a larger project, I don't know. I have a harder time trusting it because, you know, A, you don't even know if these people actually did the art or hired somebody. And it's just a team of developers behind it that are just there to just be like, okay, well, I can make a million bucks in like a day. You know, I hire somebody to write a contract, somebody to make all the images, you know, put them out there hire an artist and that's it you know it's like where's the authenticity to that it's like i get that they can build a community but it's like if i made a million bucks i could pay somebody to go build a sandbox land i could pay somebody to go do this you know it's like it's not a labor of love at that point whereas it's just i'm hiring people because i have a million bucks to do this you know yeah whereas like me i'm doing it all because i love to do it and this has always been a plan you know the metaverse and you know, making Decentraland hoodies and real life t-shirts and hats and, you know, airdropping stuff for free. It's like, it's all part of that love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. watching you scramble to trade to get the one. So you got the vampire drop. <laughs> I was like, I want the vampire. Yeah. But, um, you know, that, that's an interesting thing too, is like, when you do these projects, you're, you're asking these people to trust in you, right? That not only yeah. are they going to collect a piece of art, but they want to collect something that they feel is going to increase in value and not necessarily so they have to sell it or want to sell it but to just know that you know not they didn't waste their money 
right? And that they're involved in something real or authentic, like you said. You can see a yeah. lot of the people that are holding Bitbones right now are definitely holding out. Like a lot of them got it for, you know, just above mint or like really, yeah. really cheap, you know, had like 0 0.05 and they're not willing to flip it for less than a single ETH. I have one listed oh, I love it. of my three and he's my lightsaber guy and he's listed for two. I listed him a while ago. These are so, there's some totally unique but ones. But the other too. ones I'm holding on to because I'm just like, I like them, you know, like, like I took the one with the two AKs and I made a whole Twitter for him. Just yeah. Because <laughs> he's a cool character. And yeah, I love it. That's another thing is like, you gotta, you gotta, you know, get people to really try to adapt these and, and put them out into the culture. Um, IP rights is something I wanted to talk about just because I don't know how you do the IP rights thing, but it was what really made Board Ape Yacht Club such a huge phenomenon. I would say it's one of the things mm -hmm. that, yeah, it's a generative project, 10,000 of them, but by owning your piece or your stock or your token or your, you know, membership card, you're also, you're owning the character and, and the rights to like do stuff with that character. And I think that is like a really new sort of phenomenon that it explains why the board apes are you know becoming such a huge thing they just had the Sotheby's sale which what did that sell for like 24 million dollars it was like from, yeah i think so right? it was like 100 right. 101 apes they sold for yeah. like 24 million dollars wow, this guy really doesn't want to sell his bit phone <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I love when people put like the stupid, stupid, stupid high prices on them that you know, like no one's ever gonna pay. But it's just like clearly they had no intention of selling it either. Yeah, but this idea of IP rights, I think, is interesting. Like, imagine Disney came out and you could own Mickey Mouse, right? Or you could own Donald Duck or something, and 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 now you're a part of Disney. But you, you could also do your own thing with that and completely mm -hmm. branch off of that. So I think it's interesting because it's like Board Ape Yacht Club. It's like you have people who are with part of this whole brand, but are making their own individual brands within this, the culture of the Board Ape Yacht Club, right? So there's people like one guy started a coffee company, you know, someone started a clothing line, and they use their ape to sort of represent that it becomes their, their logo in a sense but i don't know like how does ip work, rights work with bitbones are you doing something of that sort or is it different uh i haven't really said anything about it um just because still building really and i don't want to put anything out there that could you know put future plans in jeopardy like i'm going to be doing bitbone avatars like voxels for the sandbox and you know, if I said right now that, you know, you can go make whatever you want with Bitbones, you know, it might be a scattered arena in the, the voxel realm with that kind of stuff. Like, I don't have a problem. Like, I've seen plenty of stuff already done with people getting creative with Bitbones and their own Bitbones and making different versions and, you know, um, taking the face and Photoshopping on something else. Like, go for it. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, but there's no like concrete uh, thing that I've announced at all to say you can or you can't. Like, I, I don't know. I view them as just different models, like different business models. You know, from yeah. what I understand, most artists who are selling things online, like my art, for example, we're not granting IP rights. It's like you you own the token, like, right? and you own that as a collectible piece. But that doesn't necessarily mean you can like take the art and use it later and monetize it on your own right? Like we still own the IP rights to it, but it's just a different model. Like some projects are going to do that, 
right? Like my friend Ramon, he has his project Waifu Warriors. They're doing that. Like he's offering the IP rights for each one of those. So if you own mm-hmm. one, it's like you can take that and you can, you know, make shirts out of it or or make, you know, your own comic book series or something. And that's what he's doing with his board ape. He took his board, one of his board apes, and he made it into the main character of a comic book series that he's then developing as a spin-off. So it's interesting because, like I said, it's like you're part of like a one big collective brand, but at the same time, you're also your own little brand within that. And I find that really fascinating. The only thing with that is I think there's a real big gray area, you know, like because say I owned a board ape and I did this whole line off of that one board ape and then you sell that ape. But all those NFTs that you created are still out there in the world. You know, it's like. What do you do with that then? Because you're still getting royalties from those pieces forever, but you don't own it. So technically, according to Board Apes, you shouldn't get those royalties. And it's like, so what do you do? Do you burn those and make all those people lose money? Does the guy have to return the money? It's yeah, like, it is. There's all that like stuff that they don't it's like, talk about or really, I just don't know about. You can't you know? really even sell it at that point. Like it, like it's really, it seems like that they're not, if you're making derivatives from your ape, and you own the IP rights, and then you, you really can't sell it because if you do sell it, then the IP rights would theoretically transfer, and then all of like the content that you made would then be, you know, like the person who you sold it to would would own the IP rights to your right. content. Yeah, so it is. It's a very gray area. It's very confusing. Yeah. So he, like I, I didn't want to dabble into that too much. Yeah. Like I'm totally cool with people making whatever they want with it. But like I think at the end of the day, like I still retain the image of Bitbones. Yeah, to use especially if it's not. I mean, know? you put your your blood and sweat and tears into these. You know, making each one of a thousand, it's a little bit different than a generative, a generative project, project yeah. where you know you kind of draw the components and then let them yeah. randomly. But what you said is interesting. You know, if you grant the IP rights and then the person uses that, but then the ape trains hands, it then complicates things. So you know, my friend who's doing this comic, he. He put this tweet out a couple of days ago and he said, fun fact, if I had agreed to include every ape that asked into the Board Ape Seeks Yacht Club comic already, too many would have paper handed me into a problem with the usage rights. Yeah. That's why he's like, you should direct message me now and say hi if you want to be included. And basically he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to encourage the people who want to be a part of this, for example, to hold the asset. By holding it, he's saying, you know, I can add value to that because then if you allow me to use the IP rights in the comic, for example, you get a percentage of royalties by owning the character. Mm -hmm. But it complicates that when it's like, all right, say you include the character and then that person who you included, they then trade that, they sell it to someone else. And then you have to, I guess, negotiate an entirely new contract with with them and change who who the royalty rights. Probably the easiest way to handle it would just be to, to have it be like sort of time locked. So if you make yeah. a derivative, like say in, in the situation of a comic book, if you agree to allow your ape at the time to appear in a comic book, then that is, you know, like that contract is locked in at, at, at that point in time. And then if you sell that ape down the line, you can you can sell it with sort of the caveat that look, this IP, this derivative IP exists. I'm going to continue to make money off of it. You can make your own derivative IP off of it in the future, but this stuff is going to be here and it's going to be here for like, but then the question comes, can they make further derivative IP? Yeah. You know, say if you have a character that appears in the story and then somebody sells it, 
it's like at that point when they sell it like can you no longer use that character in the story it is very uh, it's, complicated it's, it's a These lot of open legal questions uncharted territory and that's the thing about non-fungible tokens and all that it's it's a really uncharted area it's a new frontier it's, it's the wild wild west it is it is like the wild wild west you know there's people <laughs> yeah. and people and all this other shit but then there's all these other yeah. people out there and overall the community is really awesome for the most it part is. and you know i've i've encountered a lot of kindness and generosity amongst people yeah but it is also like you said there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of, of focus on, on money you know yeah. and like i've had so many people like pass over my stuff for example to buy like like shitty stuff like the crappiest <laughs> stuff i can think of and just, like, yeah i'm not even gonna don't get me started on andy like it's but it's just like and then now there's these celebrities who i feel like are trying to hop on the train hop in muscle their way into the space and and milk people and they are you know there are people who are going to be gullible enough to like buy their thing up but how many of those celebrities are really going to like try to build a community or have something like like an added value to the thing that they're selling right yeah. and then they'll milk it for a bit and then they'll leave the space like i i've read the other day that apparently eminem did a, an nft drop <laughs> i didn't even know about this like apparently he did an nft drop and that was it and like never heard anything from him about it again after that so oh, i you know i wonder cool cats is still pretty high i wonder too like are, are these celebrities being pushed into doing this like by agents or managers saying hey you should get involved in this nft stuff but they themselves don't actually give a shit about it and i'm not saying that there aren't ones who don't like from what I can tell, you know, despite how I feel about Andy Milanakis and, and his shitty drawings, he does seem to like legitimately want to learn about the space and, and to be involved in the community. Whereas other people, I think they just want to get the ape or whatever so they can flex it, but they don't really give two shits about like little guys like us, you know, who, who make the community. I think this might even go back to the whole lockdown pandemic thing too with celebrities, you know, it's like, their work got cut a ton, like actors and directors and everybody in, you know, the entertainment field got cut for a long time. And, you know, work, work is slimmer now, uh, you know, with all the restrictions that they have to have for shooting now, it costs a lot more to make a movie than it did before. So I think fewer projects are getting made and maybe these people are just looking for another outlet like the rest of us, you know, this is just another means of making a, a living perhaps for them you know if they're missing paychecks from acting and whatnot yeah so who knows you know it just might be that or it might be like you said maybe they're trying to bring more attention to it maybe there's a different motive who knows yeah it's you know it's a double-edged thing because it's like yeah like it pisses me off that some of them come in and they just it feels like they're just trying to make a buck but at the same time there's the argument to be made that when a when a big name or a celebrity comes in it brings more attention to the nft space as a whole and in a sense helps lift all of it up as a whole like there was a big deal when stephen curry like bought an ape right and it's like you know when you have a famous athlete or something like that brings more attention it legitimizes it He's a, I think he's a basketball player. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, I noticed that the cats and the apes seem to be big on sports. And they're, like, yeah. trying to get, like, these, like, athletes to, like, sort of, like. Yeah, a lot of them play pick me, pick me. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. see, you know, a celebrity will tweet something. And they'll be like, I'm thinking yeah. about buying NFTs. What should I buy? And then there they are, especially the lazy lions. I see you, lazy lions. Well, the lazy lions, they have a. <laughs> 
they have a rewards program yeah, yeah. based on something i forget how it works but like they anytime you like your twitter account is connected to, to your wallet which is connected to your discord and if you are holding a lion and you promote the lions on twitter an ai algorithm somewhere like puts a little tick in your column and so you get rewards somehow based on uh i think they like give community rewards based on how many people are shilling the project it's clever though it is very yeah. clever it's, it's very and it clever. explains why they're they're we everywhere so i don't have any lazy lions but i gotta <laughs> I, I gotta give it to them like they know yeah. shills harder than them like any show yeah. post i see like they're always there i always see them in the it's very smart very smart but um you know so back to you like you're you're a one-man show have you thought about like expanding and and like ha like bringing on a team member or someone to help you with a particular aspect say so you can focus on another aspect of the art or developing the sandbox game or that sort of thing yeah possibly in the future um you know right now a lot of the things that i'm doing are just a one-man band kind of thing I love to learn and I'm learning a ton in the sandbox right now and, you know, improving every time that I jump on there and come on up with new ideas and, you know, just getting better. But uh, yeah, I mean, Bitbones isn't the only NFT project I'm ever going to make and there's going to be more, but I also, I don't feel like, I don't, I don't think I would ever do like a 10 K project. You know, I just feel like it's way too much. Um, just my opinion maybe a couple thousand something like that i would develop a team they're also but... oversaturating the market with those yeah it's like like i said it's an it is a new thing it's one of the very unique things about digital art and the blockchain that we've seen and using computer programs algorithms to fuse that with human creativity so it is exciting but the downside of that is that you're going to have tons and tons and tons of copycats of all these people who are trying to do the same thing and when you look at any art movement in history like you know dada movement or the surrealist movement it's like there were there were so many surrealist painters how many how many of them truly came out and became recognized household names you know besides like you know, like obviously we know dali and then there's a few other ones like leonore carrington and you know the couple i can think of off the top of my head max ernst but very few, you know, and I think it's the same for this. And Gary V tweets about this sort of thing all the time where he says, look, like 98% of these projects at some point are going to flop or go to zero. And yep. they're not going to be remembered. And it's, it's kind of sad. People might say that I'm, you know, spreading fear on certain division, but I think, I think it's just a realistic way to look at these things. You know, all art movements have tons and tons of artists in them but very few of them really come out on top and, and become remembered i don't want to say yeah. household names but just remember, remember like having having movie. staying power where that art continues on for generations and gets recognized as you know the best of the best from that movement and this is very much like an art movement you know i don't i don't yeah. know how else to look at it it's you know sure a lot of it is cartoony stuff or pixelated stuff but you know no matter what what you want to say about the art itself it is an art movement, but it's also like an economic movement too, because it's like it's changing how people buy and sell things. Like now you're having like merch drops, for example. Yeah. Where where they're tying a physical thing to the digital token, 
right? And sometimes you have to burn the token to get the physical thing, or or sometimes the token acts as sort of like um like a certificate of authenticity, for example. Say if you're selling a painting, right? You can give them the physical painting, but you can tie the physical painting to the NFT, and the NFT kind of acts as a, a verica- verification of that. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to, you know, to see you go more into the the one one minting realm and to kind of put out some maybe unique pieces of art. Yeah, um, like I said before, I love Hickenunk, and uh, I think that's a great avenue, especially right now with gas so high. But it's not on ETH; it's on Tezos. I don't know if you've ever Tezos. been on Hickenunk. I haven't. No, how do you spell that? H I C H I C E T E T N-U-N-C. N-U-N-C. Let me see what the dot X, Y, Z. You want it? Pick it no. Yeah, I think I found it. So this is kind of like OpenSea? Is this like, it's like a hub to buy and sell? Yeah, it's a marketplace. Uh, you can create, mint, sell, uh, burn stuff, all sorts of stuff. Uh, but it's based on Tezos instead of uh, ETH and the transaction fees are like 20 cents or something to buy something instead of like a couple hundred bucks. But I don't know. It's just there. I feel is more authentic for one-on-one pieces easier to find and get recognized there. I think for it than compared to like OpenSea. I've seen a lot of talk about Solana as a, as another. Yeah. I got to look into it. I know it's blowing up right now. It is a lot more people talking about it. And then I was just introduced to Wax the other day, the token, mm-hmm. Wax token, and they have a whole, you know, NFT platform tied into that too. Actually, someone, yeah, have- yeah, someone gave me a birthday present on in, in Wax. It was like a Wax token. So I had to go make a wallet on there and stuff. I'm like, what is this? But I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I'm wondering, like, is, is Ethereum eventually going to become obsolete, too? That's another thing that people are talking about. Or are they going to fix the system? Because with the gas fees at the price that they're at, it does become a little ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're, you know, you're minting something at like, I don't know, 0.02. And then you, you end up coming out paying like five times that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the same thing that's happening now happened when we hit 4K. A couple months ago and you know it's kind of just like okay well if eth ever did get to 10k or higher you know it's like what are the gas fees going to be like then you know it's like right now it's not sustainable for buying you know smaller price projects but what's it going to be like if eth breaks out you know from here it's going to be like impossible it's going to kill the market you know even right now it's killing the market so i don't know I think that's what we're seeing right now is just because of the high price, the high gas, and also all the 10K projects that are getting minted all the time. It's just putting a burden like on the miners because they're just minting or uh, mining full capacity. You know, it's like the higher the price, the more they're going to just mine it and they don't have as much space to process your transaction unless you're going to pay a pretty penny for it, you know? So do you, do you think NFTs are sustainable? Do you think this will last or, or is it a fad? Because I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, you know, this is, this is stupid. It's just a fad. You commonly hear the, oh, it's just money laundering. You hear that all the time too. And I have no doubt that there's some money laundering happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you think about it. It's so easy to yeah. do it. It's like there's, got a, there's probably a bunch of people doing that. And it's like, you know. But it's not just that. Like, no, not at all. If you're in the space and you're involved, 
you see people are serious about this. There's a lot of very real people who are serious about this. They are collecting these things. They, they do view them as, as a store of value, as something you know interesting, or they just enjoy it. Even when they make new ETH, we can't even hold the damn ETH. We end up spending it on more, <laughs> yeah. more assets. So it's not like people aren't buying yeah. and selling these things. And I think to just yeah. dismiss it as merely a fad or a trend or money laundering no be short-sighted but i don't know what do you think do you think this is sustainable do you think this will last or do you think we're in like a big bubble that's eventually going to just pop no i think one way or the other it's going to continue for a long long time um i mean i'm sure they'll find fixes for the gas fees uh i wish i knew more about that side of the technology and how they can accomplish that i know they've already tried some stuff but it, it doesn't seem to work but I mean, what you're seeing is like OpenSea launched Polygon uh, Matic network that you can mint on and you can, that's how I did the airdrop. So I could airdrop everything for free, basically, uh, instead of spending like, you know, 50 to 100 bucks on ETH to drop one, you know, so I was able to drop a thousand for free to mint and everything too. So it's like, that's feasible and I, like that's an NFT and I sent it to everybody, you know, there's a thousand of those out and it costs me nothing except my time, you know? Interesting. So, you know, there's going to be other ways to do it. Um, I don't know. ETH, there has to be a fix around that, I think, for ETH to be the king, you know? Or else people are going to start looking at other options. Like the they last already time. are. They yeah. already are, yeah. Yeah, the last time ETH hit 4K and gas was, you know, this high or higher, everybody went to Hicketnunk because of the fees were like 20 cents or something. So literally everybody I knew was like, okay, well, we might as well, if nothing's selling here, we might as well go there for the low fees. So, you know, there will always be a competition. Was that May? Was that last May? Cause that was, uh, let's see. That was in, yeah, May. I think that was last. So you've been, you've been involved in this since at least May or before March starting actually it started in february trading and then i started bitbones in beginning of march okay so yeah seven months six, something like that yeah the polygon thing's interesting i i wasn't really totally familiar with it but when i went to go buy one of your airdrops on secondary because i needed the four for you to give me the other one yeah um it was in polygon so i had to, had to convert some of my ethereum into polygon to purchase mm -hmm. it and that costed some gas just to convert it but i guess if you just have polygon you know or you just buy polygon directly it might pay to have that you know especially if OpenSea is going to start you know hosting more more things in polygon when did they introduce that because i didn't even really notice it until then they'd been working on it for well, i want to say like almost since i began there was hints and stuff at it uh, I think it officially got done a couple months ago. I don't remember an exact date, but I know like Zedrun was dependent on it. And there was a whole other OpenSea website that was strictly the Polygon stuff. And then finally it got launched on the main page. So you could mint and mint additions and everything like that. I want to say a couple months, two to three months. Not not 100%. I wonder if more people are going to start using that. Well, if you look at the activity feed on OpenSea, it's all Polygon, like just people going crazy because there's no fees, you know, and it's like a lot of the pieces are cheaper because it is additions too. So people are just buying up like 0. 0.00005 like for a piece and there's a hundred of them. It's like, well, why not? You know, that's basically free. 
So there's a lot of activity on Polygon and some bigger sales too. But uh, I think for now, I think there's going to be a look for alternatives uh, with the high gas fees. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Ethereum... I think Ethereum is going to keep going. I think they're going to, they're going to definitely going to try to find ways to, to fix it, to make it more usable. Well, from what I'm reading with, with the Ethereum 2.0 is that that should reduce the gas fees because it'll decentralize, or at least it'll reduce the amount of processing required in, in order to do an individual transaction. So they'll scale up their transaction capability without having to change the number of available miners. So it'll basically reduce the cost of gas because the, the actual processing of the transaction, instead of being very resource intense, will be much less resource intense. At least that's kind of what my takeaway was from it when I was reading about it. A lot of it is sort of technical and I'm not like a you know programmer style person at all. I mean, I'm, I'm even worse than understanding. That was than the you. <laughs> gist that I got from that is that it's going to, because they also want to make it green because a lot of people are very concerned now about the like energy cost of, you know, you know, interacting with blockchain tech. So one of the things they wanted to do was to make it more scalable, especially because they want to call it go global. Uh, was to reduce the individual processing requirements for a, a single transaction so that it, it, you can scale up much more readily, which should, in theory, bring down the, the, the cost of gas to something reasonable. One, one, that's at least what they say. You know, and again, you know, it's like it, now I have this. It's funny because from, from watching NFTs and from being in the NFT space, I now think of everything almost in terms of like, is it a rug pull? Can they meet their promises? Like, cause you know, we have these roadmaps and we have all these, like these grandiose plans, but it's like, it's one thing to say it. And it's another thing to, to materialize. It. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, just, it's funny now, even with like ETH itself, I'm like, well, this is what they say it's going to do, but will it actually do that? <laughs> one, yeah. I'm also it? wondering about like government regulation. Like when are, when are governments going to start trying to tamper with this more? And, and I just mean crypto as a whole, because it is very wild, wild west. Like, and the whole idea of DeFi and decentralized finance, it's, it's, it certainly is shaking up the power structure. You know, I know some people who are afraid of a totally digital currency, but I almost see it as inevitable at this point. Like we've been heading that direction for a very long time. The vast majority of US dollars actually is already in digital spaces, just numbers and computers. I think it's yeah. like one or 2% of like the existing money supply is even in physical coins and dollars. Yeah. Even that's not backed by anything. So. Yeah. I mean, there's, positives and negatives to it and i think the negatives are pretty scary um you know you lose all your privacy and you know every transaction that you ever make is going to be on the block there forever yeah <laughs> and it's like you know i think you should have some right to privacy i don't think all money should ever be digitized you know there should always be an alternative but that's not what uh big governments of big banks want you know they want every cent of tax they can collect so yeah they're going to do anything they can to make that happen. They're talking about a rule change. So before, banks only had to report oh, yeah. uh, transactions of uh, $10,000 mm -hmm. or more to the IRS. Yeah. Talking about changing that so that any account that has $600 or more yeah. in it has to report every transaction in or out. Yeah. Which this I just. How are they, it's so much data. Like, how are they? Yeah. They have to have machine learning or algorithms to yeah. sort through all that in order to. 
like it's just, it's crazy and like yeah. it's just so much data like the reason they had it at 10,000 or more is because you figure okay well if somebody's doing something illicit and they're doing big transactions then you know it'd be easy to flag that you can have a human review it but now i guess with machine learning technology they they'd have to have some sort of partner that could go through like all this data and all these transactions and sort of look for patterns in the data. $600 is such a small transaction. Though. No, no, it's not. It's the account has to have at least $600 in it. Oh. And then they want every transaction of any dollar amount in and out. If the account has more than $600. If the account has $600. That's crazy. That's I thought crazy. it was just a 600 transfer, but that's crazy if that's uh, true. Yeah, if you, look at, if, you look at the, if you look at what they actually say, it's, it's any account that has $600 or more, they want to see every in and, in and out function in, in dollars. Hmm. Wow. Like, so basically, we want everybody's banking information. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they already do that with regular yeah. banking, but... Yeah. Oh man, it's crazy. And then with, with the inflation, you know, all the money that's getting printed and has been printed over the last yeah. 18, 19 months after the lockdowns. I think it's why we're seeing such an explosion in the crypto market. Yeah. It has boomed the way it has. And it shows a few things, you know, it, it shows people are losing faith in the old system, but it also shows people are looking for some kind of leverage against that inflation. And I'm almost convinced now that if, if you know, anyone who doesn't have anything invested into crypto or non-fungible tokens like at all is probably going to get like fucking wrecked. Yeah. Inflation. No, a hundred percent. You know, it's just waiting for the moment that it rears its head, really. You know, it's a very slow progression and, you know, it's so slow right now that it's not a major cause concern, but it's like, it's out there on the horizon, you know? And it's like the dollar is on my ticker thing right now. And it's like, it's not dumping, you know, it's like a currency still used by most of the world. You know, the world's dependent on the dollar still. And as long as that's persistent, you know, the dollar will stay alive. And it's like, you know, you just need that one moment where the dollar is like, okay, we're going to stop using it. And then it's fucked. And then we see everything, you know, and it's like, they're talking about printing like three trillion more for this package that they're trying to pass. And then after that, it's like, well, what's three trillion? You know, we're already here. We'll keep going. And I forget who it was I saw. They said, like, well, the US will never go bankrupt. We'll just keep printing. We can never go bankrupt. And it's like, <laughs> oh fuck. Like, what a power to have, you know? It's like, give a shot. I'll do that too. Give me all these credit cards. And I'll just print forever. It's like, what do you yeah. mean you can't go bankrupt? Like, that's absurd. So it's like, when someone says that, you know that the dollar is like just trash. It's like, I, I don't know. I've, they, they don't well, understand the idea of inflation too. It's like the more yeah. money you add to the money supply, you are decreasing the purchasing power of all oh, the yeah. dollars. So it's like, well, this is why, you know, a lot of, I guess, the more conservative people are, are pissed about the unemployment and stuff because it's like they they feel like it's kind of like a hidden tax on their labor on their it it's like yeah. hey i saved all this money i have my 401k all this stuff now it has depreciated like 20 percent in value because of all the money that was added to the money supply so the purchasing power of it, of it is less yeah yeah i mean you look at a chart from like 1900s till now of the yeah. value of the dollar and how far it's just gone down it's like basically like nothing what it was Crazy. before yeah yeah, you know, it's like we used to have the dollar based on gold and, you know, silver. They used to be certificates you take to the bank and say, all right, I want to change this $20 bill into $20 worth of gold. You know, I used to say it on the bill. 
but they took us off of that. And then it's just paper. And it's like, it's just trust in a piece of paper from the government. You know, it's like a lot of people still believe in that, but it's like a lot of people are disillusioned by it too. And that's why we see, you know, gold, silver, crypto, and other kinds of assets being, you know, picked up like big time. So I don't think people realize too, how bad like things could get. Like if say we entered like a legit economic crash, you know, pre-World War II, you know, post-World War I Germany, you know, there, it got to a point where people were wheeling around wheelbarrows full of oh, yeah. cash just, just to buy a loaf of bread. Yeah, I mean, even modern times, there's several governments that, you know, there's their cash is worthless. You know, I think it was Zimbabwe, they had like trillion dollar bills and it was still worthless. And it's like Venezuela, I think. There's a couple of South African countries that are just like, their money's like crap right now. You know, and it's like scattered in the street. You have to bring stacks of it to even buy like a loaf of bread. And it's like, it's not impossible. People think it's impossible here, but it's like, it's happening in places right now. You know, it's not impossible. So I think a lot of people are getting prepared and know that there's the risk, but there's also a lot of people who are totally unaware and just like in the mindset that like, my money's totally good. You know, I earned this money and it's obviously valuable because I said so. And it's, so like, it's the same with the NFT space too. Like, I think there's a lot of people like you commonly see the phrase, we, we're all going to make it right. Whack being like, you see that. And I love the positivity. Don't get me wrong. I think it's, I think it's awesome that people are so positive. I think the whole mindset of in the space that I see of people like wanting to lift each other up and this idea of like rising tides lifts all boats is great. But also I see a lot of escapism in the NFT world. And, you know, I pointed it out on Twitter and it doesn't really make you a lot of friends when you do that, yeah. <laughs> but it's true because it's yeah. like, you don't want to do that. You make friends. Like, yeah. I get it. It's exciting. It's interesting, but man, so many people in the NFT space, like their lives and their identity online just revolve around that. It's the only thing they talk about. It's the only thing they post about. And I find it just rather escapist because it's like, dude, there's a bigger picture here. There's other things going on in the world. There's, you know, the movements of history are not going to stop for your NFTs. So you kind of have to tap into that too, to understand like how the market is tied into that. And yes, we could be in a bubble and this could burst any day if you're not careful and you know it's why they say do your own research and only invest what you can afford to lose but i just i see a lot of like i guess wishful thinking that this is going to go on forever and i i don't know i tend to try to squash that and like i said doesn't make you a lot of friends on there yeah i mean there's a lot of hope you know and you hope you pick the right one and it's like once you start talking negative about that to somebody, it's like mortal enemy at that point, you know, (laughs) like I bought this project and I bought this project and it's like, it's like a football rivalry. It's like, are you really getting mad at me? Because I said, I didn't like this project, you know, it's like, it's kind of crazy, but it's also, it's good that there's passion there. You know, they obviously love a project enough to put their money into it and, you know, they love it. So it's like, it's whatever, it's, you know, it's their place to do it. And it's not my place to say it's crap or not. You know, I just keep to myself on that most of the time. But but yeah, you never know. I mean, CryptoPunks were minted for free, I think, at one point. Like they had to give them away for free because not enough people were minting them. So, I, so I've crazy. heard. And it's like now they're selling for millions of dollars. And it's, it's like, insane. 
you couldn't have told somebody like back in the day, like this thing is going to be worth $5 million. You know, they'd be like, yeah, fuck you. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> it, it sounds <laughs> so like you, you never know, you know? And then there's like all these old vintage projects getting picked up or that were getting picked up in the euphoria phase, like last month um, that totally got forgotten, forgotten about. And it's like, then they were selling for like a couple of ETH and like, you never know. Right. It's like, it was a non-existent thing couple of years ago just like a couple of years ago you know like 20 years ago so who knows what the future is going to be you know it's like a month in the nft world is like a year in real life so it's like we move i, so I hear fast. i hear people say that a lot and it is true just just from being yeah. involved in it for two months i've already seen like so many things happen in a very short span of time and and even changes in the space and just thousands and thousands of people have entered into it just within the last two months yeah so it's it's not going anywhere. I definitely don't think that, but I guess what I mean is in, in regards to the escapism is you, you don't hear much talk in, you know, about other things happening in the world besides just oh, yeah. NFTs. Yeah. most people who are involved in the NFT space just talk about that and they just stick to that. And I just, I find that short-sighted because it's like, you have to be paying attention to what's happening in the world because it's going to affect the space. It's, it's part of it, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think there's, you know, a couple of different avenues to that too. There's the people that have never thought about the outside, you know, consequences and are just doing it for fun. You know, there's the traders who were trading long before NFTs ever yeah. were a thing. You know, there's every type of person in this uh, space. Sure. Oh yeah, there's going to be like people who just don't care and that are just like strictly like blinders on. I love this project. I don't care. Like whatever laws come out. I'm going to be irrelevant. It's going to be irrelevant to me, you know? And it's like, they'll learn a lesson though. But I think there's plenty of people who pay attention, you know, especially the people who have been in crypto for a while. They know, you know, new regulations and new whatever, even just talking about it from a government perspective is going to be huge for how a crypto reacts. You know, I think everything follows the major stock indexes right now. Like we saw like last week, some things took a little bit of a dip and then you saw crypto take a huge shit yeah. you know gold and silver took a pretty good one too but it's like everything works together so you have to pay attention to it you know keep yourself safe as a trader but i also think there's long-term value in things too like i was very in and out of trades i'd be like a day trader most of the time just because of like the riskiness of new projects it's like okay well it could potentially blow up in the future but do i want to wait around for a couple of years or whatever for that to happen or do i want to make like a quick flip and move on to the next thing and try again but lately i've been more going longer term on stuff because i feel like i found some things that i really love that i think can be like the future of nfts like there's going to be a next step to nfts past the 10k project that has more utility and purpose than just a profile picture Agreed. And I think we're like on the edge of that right now where we're going to start seeing more stuff like that. So investing longer term in stuff that you believe in that has potential to be the next thing is going to be big. So, but it's also risky, you know, yeah. you could crash down to whatever really low. And if you have uh, you know, a board ape listed at like 40 ETH right now and ETH goes to like 500 bucks and someone snatches that up, it's like, you know, it could screw the market, but you just got to be ready, prepared. Yeah. Always the unknown. Still yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of collecting 
one or two things that I thought, you know, I could flip or maybe would go up and then I'd sell them later. But mostly I have been trying to just stick to things that I actually just really like and yeah, and trying to hold them long-term. And I know a lot of people aren't playing it that way, but that's just, that seems like the smartest way for me to play it. And I've got, I got yeah. some garbage in here. Yeah. But I think part of it is just like <laughs> as an artist too, like I, I am always going to look at the quality of the art and, but it's just funny because like Brent and I have passed up certain projects that ended up going up really high just because we hate them because we thought they were stupid they and, and then we yeah. were like, fuck, we should have bought that. Really and and now we have this like new rule where we're just like, we see something we're like, oh, that looks dumb. Buy it's it. probably <laughs> going to moon because just we don't buy the stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's such a new frontier. It's a lot of uncharted territory. And to people who are outside of it, it does seem really absurd. Like trying to explain to my grandma, for example, that that I have a, a digital drawing of a cat <laughs> that's worth like 20 grand. Yeah. And why I'm not selling it yet. Yeah, it's really hard to do. She sort of understood me, though. She was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's it's difficult for people who are not involved in this to really understand, like, how does that even have any value? They don't they don't get it, you know? Yeah. I think when you think about it, like in the monetary sense, it's more outrageous from the outside perspective. Yeah. Where it's like it's so easy to spend an ETH on something like on OpenSea, but it's so hard to spend like $3,500 on something else in the real world, you know? It's like my wife and I will drive down the street and see like a car dealership and we'll price the cars in ETH. And it's like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like if you price a car in ETH, it's like, you could buy like a car, like no problem, you know, compared to like NFT. It's like, but then actually going to the car dealer and buying a car with cash, it's like, you know, blows your mind. It's like, oh shit, am I really going to blow this much money on this right now? You know, it's such like a disconnect. So like, when you probably told your grandma, like, I have a JPEG worth 20 grand. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, sell that shit. <laughs> but, like, but to yeah. you, that's like, okay, seven ETH or whatever. It's like, but I could get 14 for it maybe yeah. in a month, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's the perspective, I think, that really blows people's minds from outside. Well, then this, this, this other idea of it too is the, it acting as a sort of membership con like I mentioned earlier. So one of the reasons the apes are so high in value is so many of them don't want to sell them because holding mm. the asset begins to become more valuable in the sense of the network opportunities it gives you with other people who are in the club. So say you only have one ape and even if it goes to a ridiculous level, maybe you're an artist or a creator yourself and you, you find having the ape and the access to the club and the network and the other people involved is more valuable to you than just selling it and taking the money. Yeah. So I think that's what this is like, you know, yeah, I have, I have gutter cats. I think between the two of us, we have like three of them and it's already to the point where I know that like, if it ever mooned and got to like a stupid high level, we would sell two, but I'd feel like I'd have to keep at least one just because I, I want to stay involved in the community. I want to stay a, you know, a member of that and a, and a part of that. And that's what's so fascinating about it to me is that there's so much more value to these things now than just the monetary value. It really is like you have to build a community around the project. And if you do, that's what gives it that staying power, I think now, at least when it comes to the profile pictures is you want to yeah. make it cultural. It should become like a subculture. 
that's what the board apes have become that's what gutter cats have become and, and other projects too like alien boys and and wicked craniums there's a lot of them they become these little subcultures crypto cannabis yeah. club and then you you know you have different creators and artists crazy crows different creators and artists within that club helping the other artists and creators within their own club at least that's how it should be i'm not saying they always do because they don't yeah how it should be and i think it's fascinating you know to have a community of collectors and creators that links collectors and creators together in which creators also become collectors and many collectors themselves are dabbling in becoming creators oh yeah and it's yeah yeah i mean you see that all the time you know it's like all the artists like everything that i bought at hiccup nanka end up spending on more art and stuff like that and it's like i help people like a lot of people lately have been asking me for help like setting up new projects and stuff and my advice on like how to get started and it's all it's all because they started buying pieces originally you know but it's like now they understand it are inspired now to okay how do i do it myself you know and it's like you see it everywhere it's just like the intertangling of everything from the collector to the creator back to supporting the new creator you know across the board the negative side of that too though is just the the flooding of the market with lots of lots of crap and (laughs) you know you see this too with like self-publishing in the self-publishing world you know over the last couple decades when self well decade maybe when self-publishing really became more popular it's amazing in the sense that you can give yourself a chance right to publish a book to get an audience out there so you can give yourself a shot but it also has to you know the the negative side of it is that anyone and their mother can put a book out no matter how trash or garbage it is so now you have thousands and thousands and millions of books being published and released even how many of them are even selling one copy but even when it's trash it can still move. It can still like yeah. Twilight series is a great example of that. Yeah, it was originally well, fan, or not Twilight. No, you're uh, talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that still blows my mind. Like Twilight how, fan fiction, yeah. Went to the moon. How many people realize that that's what that started as? It started as you know being written on a blog as Twilight erotic fan fiction, and it became so popular as fan fiction online that she was offered a book deal and they were like hey you just got to change the character names to your own character <laughs> names take all the vampire stuff out mm-hmm. and bam we got a book series so i didn't know that that's that, there you go now you know <laughs> maybe we can uh we can leverage the success of that by getting like getting women to be interested in nfts because that's basically how they they do it you get fastest selling paperback in history that's all i'm gonna say but me, me too <laughs> you know crazy I don't know, but it's just, again, like the, this idea of like, because anyone can do it, which I think is awesome. There's also like the markets being flooded and flooded and flooded with just lots and lots of crap because anyone thinks that they can be an artist now. And I think anyone can dabble and I think anyone can be creative if they really try, but I don't think just anyone can be an artist. I think the crap is fine though, because it will inevitably sort of sort itself out. Yeah, because the those the projects that are crappier if they you know like if you put aside the celebrity backed crap and you know because they're they're not really you know achieving based on the merit of their project they're achieving on the merit of their name sure uh but if you put that aside and just look at the quality of the art you know people aren't gonna buy a bunch of crap you know in general they will though i mean well, they will <laughs> if an influencer tells them if there's a if there's an artificial pump or if there's some celebrity behind it you know that that'll work but 
generally what I see is that the projects that have a lot of interest that are the ones that have genuine teams behind them or genuine individuals behind them, such as yourself, and that are in it for, you know, like a long, longer term uh, type of thing to generate value and, and a community for their holders. Yeah, I think the long term is definitely what's going to sort it out. Maybe in the short right, term, yes. We're, we're still in the short term. We're still sell, in like, but... you know, the first real like three to six months of NFTs like gaining yeah. ground and becoming popularized and more people coming into it. And... Well, th- this touches on something else too I wanted to, to talk about, but it's like, this idea of gatekeeping, you know, and for a long time, probably most of history, the art world has very much been sort of gatekept by the rich establishment elites. And what I love so much about the NFT space is that, you know, despite the scams and the rug pulls and the crap that is out there, it is very much putting the power back into the hands of the artists to make their own way without having to go through that gate, right? The auction houses or in the, in the, in the sense of publishing through the publishing houses, right? Cause you're published now. And that I think is amazing. That I think is beautiful. I think that's the mindset we should really all be thinking about this in regards. It's kind of why I get pissed when people like play pick me, pick me with the celebrities and shit who try to get involved. Cause it's like, dude, I don't know if that's the point of this for you, but the point of this for me is I see it as a way to wrestle control of the art entertainment media world from the rich establishment elites. And we shouldn't just be trying to hand it back to them and say, Hey, come on in. And, you know, I think it's great. Any of them who want to get involved, if you're, you know, rich or a celebrity and you really truly care about this, that I think that's awesome. If you truly care and you want to get involved in it. But ultimately, I think we have to be thinking about the independent artists, the underdogs, the little guys, the the people who have to go through the gatekeepers normally. And now we have a situation where that isn't the case anymore. And I think that's the most revolutionary thing about this. I agree. And I was going to say, you know, like the flood of crap, you know, I think it's fine because, you know, like people will be inspired by something that they may not like, but it might inspire somebody to make something different and better, you know like you said too it'll filter itself out like the good ones will be picked up and will hold long-term value and while the other ones will probably flop and whatever get sent to the burn address or whatever but still like i think having the freedom to put whatever you want on the blockchain and as an nft is good for you know deciding how the future will go it's because like when i started i've seen numerous different major trends like pop up and then once the one NFT project does that, then like a hundred copycats follow. And it's like, they kind of perfect it in a way. Like the first project might have it down to a science already, but they start doing variations of it, you know, like whether it's just the art style or how they released it or the little gimmicks that they introduced, it all leads to just like the development of the future market, I feel, you know, and that's, that's, that's what will lead us to the next step. So even if it is crap, I think it helped in a way. Do you, do you think we're in a, in a new sort of renaissance right now? Yeah, I mean, in a couple of different ways. I think like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are going to be losing their jobs right now based on the COVID stuff, getting the vaccine or not. And it's like, even besides that, before that, like a lot of people lost their jobs. Like, I forget how many like independent small businesses went out of business because of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, okay, so all these places went out of business and now there's that many less jobs, you know, like supposedly there's like 10 million job openings right now or something. I forget the number, but it's like, 
I used to be a chef, right? Not going to wear a, like a mask in the kitchen, like in the heat, you know, when I'm cooking everything for like eight or 10 hours a day, it's just madness. So, you know, I decided to pursue a career of trading first and then it turned into NFTs and it's like, now I'm doing what I love. And it's like, I've always loved doing art and now I can do it as a job pretty much and focus all my talents and my abilities on that instead of doing something I didn't want to do anyways, you know? So I think that's awesome. That's my favorite thing about NFTs <clears throat> that, you know, guys like you were able to sort of make a real, a real living off of this when maybe you wouldn't have been able to otherwise, unless you went through those gatekeepers or got a fancy art degree or something like that, or, or got it to Sotheby's and, you know, yeah. you can build your own community, your own, you know, your own collectors and you don't have to go through anyone. It's, it's, you know, you go, you do it yourself directly. It's, you know, you communicate directly with your audience. Yeah. You know, it used to be all about like uh, Instagram used to be the spot to go for like artists and stuff. Yeah, and it's visual like, based. It's very, yeah. Based. yeah. Like I used to follow a ton of these people that are in the NFTs now on Instagram back in the day. And I have some of their art around here, but it's like, it's great seeing them transition from there into the nft world because you know it's like before they'd sell a painting for maybe 200 bucks uh like a hand done painting but now they can sell an nft for like double that in an addition of 20 and it's like they've discovered that they can actually make like a real living off of it compared to like before when they were selling the physical hand done stuff for like That's you know a 20 I, <laughs> I mean i've been yeah. 200 and one of my paintings i sold for a thousand seven hundred uh Another one I sold for about 400, you know, I've sold, I've sold a couple of physicals before NFTs, but man, like my first NFT was a, a five by seven physical painting, which uh, I sold within like the first couple of weeks that I, that I started doing it, which was pretty shocking. And I think it was, it was for 0.6 Ethereum. Boom. That, that was like, I think $1,600, maybe more at the time of, of what the value of Ethereum was at the time. And I did include the physical. So, you know, I sent them the physical and they also got the token. But for a painting that size, you know, normally I wouldn't have sold it for that price in dollars. Yeah. You know, I, I probably would have sold it for maybe like $400 or something. And I ended up making three times that amount by minting it on the blockchain instead. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's crazy, crazy too, yeah. like the the wild price difference between that, you know, because yeah. like a lot of people in NFTs don't want the physical and they just want the NFT. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm the old school. Like I'll take both, you know, if I can get the physical and the NFT, like give it to me all day. And it's like, I've been able to talk to some other artists that I bought stuff from and I'd end up buying the physicals from them too. And it's just, I prefer it. I love to have them on my walls, you know, yeah. same. Like, I love having the NFT, but it's like, if it's on my wall and I can just walk by it and it's there awesome you know this this idea to now of like digital frames i find really fascinating yeah. and, and revolutionary too is that people are, are you know designing frame screens to hang on your wall to display your your digital art in a physical space and keychains yeah. necklaces like i've seen i think of this yeah. guy artifact is his name he's one of the apes he's has like a keychain one that he's designing and I think I've seen something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's interesting too, is people are finding ways to bring the digital art into their physical space and display it. But I agree. I, I'm old school. You know, if I can own the physical piece, I would much rather have the physical piece if I have the wall space for it. Um, some of mine I'm providing it, but not all of them, you know. 
some of them I'll just do like a, a limited amount of additions and they'll just be tokens in the blockchain and I'll probably just hang on to the painting for a while. Yeah. But I, I like the idea of also including the physical in some of my sales. And I would love to do that. I would love to be able to find homes for some of my paintings. And it's like, you also get a token on the blockchain. So it's like a win-win you get both, you know, but Definitely. one of the things that's confused me too about that is, all right. So if I sell a physical painting with the NFT, does the person who has the token, if they sell the token to someone else, do they have to sell the physical or does that depend on how like I tie them together? Do I have to put like a condition onto the token, for example? And I've seen, I've seen other people do it another way where it's like, they'll sell the token, but if you want the physical piece, you have to burn the token. I've seen that as well. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen many like clear cut examples of having to deal with that. I mean, I would just assume if you bought the token and it wasn't specified and you got the physical piece, then you could just sell the NFT and keep the physical piece. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would be up to the, if you're going to buy it, I think you'd want to know that before you buy it, you know? So I think it would be determined by the seller. I don't know. I haven't seen right. anything really like that. You'd like have to put the condition. You'd probably have, probably to, have to specify, specify in, the in the NFT whether or not, because yeah. a lot of there's some talk about using them as uh, like a certificate of, of ownership. authenticity. Yeah. So if it's that's the case, then it, the, the NFT would theoretically have to be tied to the, physical, be tied piece. To the physical piece. And then yeah. you you really aren't in that case. You aren't selling the NFT. You're selling the physical piece. And the NFT is just the certificate that says you know you are in fact the actual owner of it yeah. yeah so if you were that way you'd sell that and then you'd sell the physical piece and then transfer the nft to their wallet yeah but it just it goes to show how much more options are now available for artists now to make a living there was a company i forget who it was but they were taking like old like masterpieces and they were putting like a qr code like on the back of the frame so that you'd scan it and then it would have the provenance like on the blockchain hmm. I forget who it was. I think they were doing like Renaissance paintings or something with that, just so they can prove the authenticity. You know, like maybe they could do that with your paintings or I don't know, but the, yeah. the options out there. The options are what I think is, like I said, it's crazy, but I, I also think it's awesome for digital artists to yeah. finally kind of get their day in the sun, you know, because I, I think I think they have been overlooked for a long time. You know, and that the fine art world sort of shunned the idea of digital art. Like you said, it was, you know, typically viewed as for more graphic design or advertising when there is a lot of really awesome, impressive digital art and 3D modeling and things like that, like stuff that you can't do in the physical medium. Mm -hmm. That can only be done in the digital medium. And I think it's amazing now that you could actually own that in a sense and there's a way to verify the ownership of it aside from just copying and pasting and we see that joke all the time right that you know people who are outside of the nft space they're like oh well haha i just you know click saved your your picture now i own it too do i also get 20 grand yeah so it's because they don't understand the idea of the ledger and that there's a code right. tied to that piece and that that code can link to a wallet which verifies who actually owns it or not but right i don't know i you know I think it's great, like I said, for digital artists who maybe always struggled to feel that they could make a living doing it. I think this is opening up so many opportunities. Like I see so many awesome tweets 
online, like these great stories, like, oh, I just sold this and bought a new car for my family. Or, you know, I just sold this and, and paid off my mom's credit cards. And the stories, the beautiful stories like that, I think are the reason why this is, is here to stay. And I think it's what excites so many people too, to want to get involved. But, you know, just be careful. Like, don't, don't just think it's just about money. And it, it is for some people, obviously, but I think it should be more, it should be about the art, but it should also be about the networking and, you know, the connections you make with people. And it's not just about pulling in the big bucks. And yeah, I love the stories, man. I love, I love seeing people lifting themselves out of poverty or, or their shitty situations or paying off the student loan debts. And I hope I can do that with, with this too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great to see it. You know, it's empowered a lot of people who didn't have the ability before, you know. It's great to see. All right, I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be talking about like almost two hours now, right? Yeah, it's about, uh, yeah. No, it's kind of becoming, our, minutes. it's becoming like our standard time, but. Yeah, it's a good time. All right, Dustin, yeah. where, where can people find you? Shout out your websites and your social media. I got bitbones.art is my website. Uh, we're on Twitter, bitbones1, the number one. Uh, I got all my information there on my link tree. You can find it. Uh, all my OpenSea and Hicket Nunk artwork. Uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah, awesome, dude. Thanks for talking to us. And thanks for that airdrop recently. I love it. Oh, you bet. Thanks for yeah. being a fan, man. I'm dude, I can't, wait. I can't wait for the merch. I'm definitely going to get a get yeah. shirt and rock that one. I'll wear it on the show too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Dude, have a nice day, man. Thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for watching, guys. I'm Dan. I'm Brantley. Peace out. Peace.